0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's show and reminding you that today's podcast is sponsored by Darkwater Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. The link will be in the show notes right now. Doug Cole of Dark Water is offering 15% off of your beard care products. Specifically, I want to talk about the St. Patrick Beard Balm and Beard Oil Combo. That's two ounces of beard balm, one ounce of beard oil. I'm not a beard balm guy, but some of you are. So maybe you go in, you buy this, and you can give that beard balm to somebody that you know uses it. It's a way that you can kind of advance the message and say, Hey, here's something I'm connected to. I heard it on a podcast podcast. This is a business I support. Use them both for yourself. It doesn't matter. Use the discount code that I'm going to give you in the podcast, and you'll save 15% off your order. Men, it's time for today's podcast conversation. All right. We can continue. Easy for me to say. We continue our walk through the life of Christ. We said back in January, we're taking the gospel of Mark, and we're just kind of walking through not every verse by verse or anything like that, but the life of Jesus, as we go through the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark is just perfect for guys. Because it is fast forward here, fast forward here, cut to the chase, here we go. Well, here we go, Mark 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. Now, I'm starting in verse 1. He came to his hometown. By the way, that's your discount code today for dark water woodwork. Hometown, we all got one. Everybody has a Hometown. Everybody has a place. That's your starting point. Maybe you were there for you know, just a little bit. Maybe you don't even remember your hometown. Maybe you don't consider it your hometown anymore because you've lived somewhere else so long. And so that's your hometown. I was telling someone a while back, I remember my first full day in ministry. I was in southern Illinois. I got in the uh, the minivan of the lead pastor and the uh, worship pastor. I hesitate to call him worship pastor because that guy did everything. But he was he was the worship guy. And as we were getting in the van to go visit someone at the hospital in St. Louis, uh, I said a, a statement, you know, well, back home, we whatever. And the lead guys like stopped me uh, in my sentence and said, back home, this is where you live now. And I remember being slightly offended by that, taking umbrage, if you will, thinking this isn't my hometown. I've only been here for 18 hours. That's my hometown. I still consider that my hometown. Um, not the place in Illinois. So I get what he's saying, but everyone's got a place. Everyone has a hometown. When you think, if I ask you, hey, man, where's your hometown, you have a place. Now, you might think of it favorably or you might not, depending on you know what you're doing. Some of you guys have never left your hometown. I don't know how that works. I know plenty of people that way. Uh, thanks to Facebook, you can see plenty of people who are still there. And uh, that's great. They take great pride in their hometown. They serve their hometown. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them do. Uh, they're trying to make it better. That's very commendable. I think there's something to that. Jesus comes back to the hometown and what does he do? Preach the gospel. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished. Here we go. Saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now, have you just read that verse you'd say revival is breaking out jesus has come to town nazareth has heard the good news i'll tell you what i don't know how many people are in that town right now but they're going to be added to the kingdom they're going to repent of their sins they're going to go into the waters of baptism they're going to declare jesus is lord and savior look out Look out in that surrounding region, perhaps. There will be some people who will be converted. They will follow Jesus, just like the disciples are doing. And they will help advance the kingdom because of their faith and their trust in Jesus. Not so fast. Verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? And then they go on to talk about, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. We know his brothers, right? Aren't the sisters here too? How many sisters did Jesus have? Well, more than one. I don't know but I know it's more than one. Brothers, he's got brothers here, they name a few, the top of the sisters and they took offense at him. Why would your hometown take offense at you? Now let me say this before I get too far into this hometown thing. I think it's easy to grow up in a town. Depending on where you live, I small towns as where I'm more familiar with. So you grow up in a small town, you can say, "Boy, there's nothing good in this town." These people are all backwards. They're never going anywhere. They, they don't get me. There's no opportunity here. I'm so bored here. It's easy to look at your hometown uh, through a critical lens. I think we want to be careful of that. Because no matter what goes on in your hometown, no matter you know, who's there, who's not there, what opportunities are there, whatever, I, I don't know. In my hometown, I, I don't think it is anymore. The thing used to be just to drive up and down Main Street, hours on end gas was a lot cheaper back then and we weren't paying the insurance on our cars more than likely but you would start at mcdonald's and you go all the way down main street until you hit the mississippi river not literally the river but there was a turnaround spot and you drive all the way back up to mcdonald's you just did this for hours on end it was just like what a waste of time now at mcdonald's and at the river that's where a lot of people would be hanging out too and so you kind of make your turn you kind of come back you see who's there Most of the time, not a lot of good going on at those two places. That's what we did. He said, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this town. Well, I think a lot of people have that that idea. I, I would love to see revival break out in my hometown. Will I be the guy? My gut feeling is probably not. But God will raise up somebody. And so as people come in, people come out, people move in, people move out, You know, you become a very transient place. I live in the city of Indianapolis. I meet a lot of people who are not from here, but live here. And many of them would now consider this their hometown. This is my home. This is where I, this is my roots. This is where I'm going to be at. This is where I'm planted. Well, the problem with the hometown is the people that knew you when you were younger, if that was the case for you, will always look at you as the people who knew you when you were younger. Okay, maybe you were a really fine young man and you served in Sunday school and you went to the hospitals and you took care of the people at the nursing homes and you called bingo and you bagged up the trash and you filled up their cars with gas and you checked their oil, whatever. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because when you're one of their own, they're always going to see you as that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try, but we should understand going into it. Not going to be easy. If you've been somewhere for a very long time, you might experience the same thing. You were there for a period of time. The new car smell has worn off. They've rolled up the red carpet. And now familiarity breeds contempt. And so they start to ask, wait a minute, this guy, he's one of us. You're no better than us. Isn't this the guy? Isn't this the son, the carpenter's son, right? Well, they say him. That's Joseph's kid, right? Joseph, the Joseph and Mary guy. You heard about Joseph and Mary? You know, I wasn't here then, but I did hear something. Well, let me tell you what happened. And so it appears that Joseph could be out of the picture at this point. He, he could have passed away. The son of Mary? What do you think they mean by the son of Mary? They mean exactly what you think they mean. They're like that girl who said she was pregnant by uh, the mercies and grace of God. So of course Mary thinks her son special because she's trying to claim that you know it was divine providence that she had this this child. And they're trying to say that he's the Messiah. A lot of people with a real critical view of who Jesus is, and they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them. Does he proclaim this in the synagogue? Does he walk outside and say this? He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. A lot of truth to that. And among his relatives and in his own household, I will never attempt to come across as a prophet. I won't. I will never try to come across as the smartest individual in a room. I, I I will never try to garner an audience. However, I will speak up or I will teach or I will instruct or whatever if that opportunity presents itself. But I think it goes without saying, with those who know you the, the most, a little bit of an internal eye roll there, don't you think? Just took my kids to school, talked to them about, helping out around the house during you know kind of a chaotic time and we had this talk about once every three days it feels like but you know i didn't lose my temper i didn't you know but i'm saying come on i'm trying to urge you come on let's go now i know i'm a former kid i know what's going on internally i think man this guy's lost his mind he's getting angry he's you know we'll just let this blow over whatever and i told a couple of my that work i said now at your job you can clean toilets and you wipe down tables and you do dishes, and you bag up groceries, or not groceries, (laughs) you bag up food, and you do all these things to serve and be a part. What happens when you come in here? Hometown. Kind of get a hometown mindset. We get a little comfortable in our hometown. Verse 5, this is sad. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Just a handful. Just a little pocket of people here. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. Now that that's a big deal. Because unbelief ignores the obvious. Jesus left there and said, I just, I just cannot believe it. He starts this public ministry. He begins to speak. He's challenging the people. Again, when they hear this, it sparks an emotion in them. And I'm assuming Jesus gets the opportunity, gets the open mic, because he's one of theirs. We're having a homecoming, we're having a get-together, we're having, you know what, he's from here, let's, let's have him speak. So, we heard some good things about him, and then they hear it. There's a high probability that what Jesus is saying is convicting to them there's a high probability that what Jesus says at first sounds really good he draws them in i mean after all he is he's the master storyteller right i mean this this is a guy that whatever he teaches you know was it the the Pharisees or religious leaders said hey when you say these things you're offending us as well well asking questions jesus is okay with that Jesus is okay with you asking questions. He's okay with having some doubts. He's okay with you not understanding everything. We should be. That's why we should always be prepared to give a defense for what we believe. But unbelief is different. These are people who just, they just refuse to believe. There's nothing you and I are going to tell them. There's nothing that Jesus is going to tell them. They've already made up their mind. And they say, it doesn't matter. You see, Jesus is more than okay with us asking questions, having doubt, being unsure, wrestling with our faith. Scripture actually tells us that we should do that. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Peter says, always be prepared to give a defense for what you believe, but do so with gentleness and respect. That's not unbelief. Unbelief is a condition of those who are blinded by the light that regardless of what someone says, they have already made up their mind that I'm not going to believe. I'm not, I'm not going to believe. There's nothing you're going to tell me. And they create this hardened, stubborn heart. Oftentimes, what you'll find out is there is this fear of living a life of restraint. There's a fear that I will need to do something different. I want to live my life my way. And when you present the gospel to someone, regardless of how they respond to it, we're not trying to manipulate you. We're not trying to beat you into submission. What we need to do is present the gospel, tell them what Jesus has done, what he is doing, present it, and then it's up to them, take it or leave it. I don't want to get you into a Christian chokehold and say, believe, believe, tap out, tap out. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to to do that. Nobody wants to be manipulated into heaven. What we need to do is present the gospel to the best of our ability. Sometimes it's getting the word out and walking through the text. Sometimes it's just having a, a, a further conversation than just surface level. But we try to present the gospel to the best of our ability. We're not going to be flawless. We give people an opportunity to respond to it. If they refuse to believe, if they say, now I don't want no part of it, you guys are crazy, you are whatever other name they want to call you, hey, take it or leave it. That doesn't change the gospel. Who Jesus is, what he did, what he is doing and will do, that doesn't change. What we need to do is make sure that regardless of the response that we get from others, we continue to the best of our ability, by the power of the Holy Spirit, present the gospel as accurately as possible. Yeah, we'll get it right sometimes. We'll get it wrong more than we want to get it wrong. But at the end of it all, we just present it. Sometimes it's simple. I was going through the cafeteria line at the hospital yesterday, and I new lady, and I asked her, you know, something I could pray for about, and I got a whole bunch of stuff. Didn't get way into it, but I saw pray for you. Talk about her back. Talk about her mom who lives in Wisconsin and all the things that's going on there. And uh, I thought, okay, I got her name, got what information, whatever. I'm clearly going to be here uh, another day. I'm going to look for. her. I'm going to look for this lady. I'm going to continue to see what opportunities will present itself. We have a nurse. Got talking to her. Hey, I can pray for you. Boy, she had one. She had one right out of the gate, and it was personal. And at the at some point after we kept, kept talking to her, she said, "Well, it's just good that you have all these prayer warriors in your family." And I said, no, "Let me just tell you this: we believe in Jesus." And man, she lit up, gave me a fist bump. I don't know if that was her way of saying it, "me too." I don't know, but uh, I got to get Jesus' name in there. I got I got to work it in. I got to do better at that. Because, hey, man, praying for people, I, I do believe that. I do believe open your mouth and saying that. As a matter of fact, we went to Chick-fil-A again last night. I see the Chick-fil-A guy that I mentioned the other day look at me, and he kind of looked down. And I thought, uh-oh, it's going to be awkward. I roll up, and he said, are you my friend? And he said my name. And I said, yeah, are you? And I said his name. We talked. He said, got to keep your focus on God. You got it. And my son couldn't believe he remembered us. It's the beard. He couldn't believe he remembered us. I said, hey, we're just trying. We're just trying. Do these people believe? Have they heard a sermon? No, not necessarily a sermon, but we're trying. And that's what we want to do. There will be people who will downright reject it. There'll be people who get absolutely aggressive about, you know, not believing or whatever. Whatever it is, um, that doesn't change the gospel. That does not change the gospel. Their belief and their skepticism is grounded in their questions. It it cannot be possible. This is the kid who's now grown up 30 years later who is coming back and trying to tell us this, that, or the other. Here's what I know about unbelief. It will always find a way to focus on things that are irrelevant to the moment. Someone who used to change your diaper when you were in the nursery we'll have a hard time sitting there listening to you preach a message about repent of your sins or make disciples or evangelize the lost. They just can't do it. They just they just don't want no part of it. And so what you'll find a lot of times is guys will come back to their hometown and they'll preach a message and that that old lady who again used to change your diaper in the nursery and thought you were so cute and wonderful but also knows some of the the naughty bad things you did as well and was kind enough not to tell your parents. She'll pat your hand on the way out and tell you what a good job you did. She ain't really listening to what you have to say. The guy that, you know, he sat at the local diner and they they know more about you than you know about you because they've just, you know, they've, they've compared their notes before you came in town and they just, they're not going to listen to that. There will be people that will have made up their mind about you just from the simple fact that they think they already know you. Nothing's changed. The condition of the human heart has not changed for over 2,000 years. Everyone thinks they're the smartest person in the room. And so here we have Jesus teaching them, and they say, No, I don't want to hear it. Well, if they didn't want to hear Jesus teach there's a chance they're not going to listen to you teach. And I know you labored over that sermon and you were so nervous and you got 16 pages of 12 font, you know, and you're like, I'm going to be here for three weeks preaching this sermon. I've done it. I understand. They start start dogging Jesus. They start making it personal. Carpenter, son of Mary, he's from here, right? The reality is it doesn't matter who his mom or dad was. It doesn't matter who his brothers or sisters was. It doesn't matter. They'd say, he's not special. His family lives among us. It would be great if Jesus said, what does that have to do with the kingdom of heaven? Now, perhaps someone in that group would have the courage and say, well, I don't know, but you're, there's nothing great about you. Because that's what they're ultimately saying. It's irrelevant. But it's a distraction. Because here's the truth. Irrelevance is typically masquerading as... Being offended. They're deep. They're offended by what was said. So they bring up something that's irrelevant. The irrelevance, that's a smokescreen. It's really, I'm offended. They're easily offended. He said, a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown. Mm, They didn't like that. And he marveled at their unbelief. I, I like the way that Mark breaks this down. He gives you the facts. He cuts to the chase. He goes home. He starts to teach. The people respond. The people bring up things that are irrelevant because they are offended. Jesus says, "Fine. Fine. I'm going to move on from here." I'm I'm not saying we are infallible individuals. I'm not saying I've never made mistakes or are making mistakes. What I am saying is we pray, God, give me a heart to care for people, whether they're in my hometown or somewhere else. Give me a heart to care for people. Help me have the courage and boldness to present the gospel as accurately as possible. What people do with that, that's up to them. I used to work for this telemarketing place and they had a thing called 2 Plus J. I hated it. So a call goes through. I asked for your name. I probably mispronounced it because I saw it about three tenths of a second before that you said hello. And I present to you something and you say no. And so you usually said, no, nope, I have too many of this or I don't like that or whatever. And I had all these sheets in front of me and I could, re- they called rebuttals. And I had them in front of me. So as you said it, I was looking for the rebuttal. I'd say, I certainly understand that, Mr. So and so, but please keep in mind, this is da da da. And then you would say no. Okay, that was the two. They had to get two no's or the person had to hang up. And then the J was, Use judgment. (laughs) Well, let me go back in one more time. Well, by that time, they've, you know, and and in my mind, I'm thinking, just hang up. If you don't want what I'm selling, just hang up. It was a terrible job. But I think as Christians, that might need to be our approach. Two plus J. I'm going to present it. You reject me. That's okay. I'm going to present it again. You reject me. I'm not going to modify the message or cheapen it or water it down so it's more digestible. I'm going to tell you, man, this is what it is. There is a sin problem. Oof, that's a hard one to tell someone there's a sin problem i know but i got it too and i got stuff in my life that i don't want to carry around no more and i need forgiveness for that sin and i find jesus is the only way to get that forgiveness why do you think jesus is the only way well i do know this in john 14 6 jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to god the father except through me well don't you think anyone could have said that i do but here's the thing uh one you can't deny that jesus actually walked the earth that that's there's a lot of facts for that. Historical documents. And you also have a calendar that is tethered to him. Okay? So whether you address that or not, that's fine. Um, but I do. Jesus did walk the earth. Okay? No question about that. The other part is, um, yeah, anyone can say that. I absolutely agree with that. Anyone can say that there's something super special. People do it all the time. But here, here's the big deal for me. That he died. And, and again, you can, you can get a lot of information that will tell you, nope, that really did happen. But it's the empty tomb because if that tomb is empty that means he's alive. You say, "Well, couldn't they just hide his body?" Right. But it created a bigger problem that he's alive. So I would think they'd want to find the body and they didn't. You go, "Well, maybe they just maybe they just accepted it well, like whatever, we just want it to be done." Right. I get that. But then his followers, they just became like radical about it to the point they tried to silence them, tried to shut them up, they killed some. I mean, they were persecuted, they were tormented. I mean, all these horrible, horrible things. You can read Hebrews 11 if you want, or just read history, or just turn on the news and see what happens to Christians all around the world. Now, why would people give a message for something, or give their life for a message like that if it was, if they knew it was not true? I wouldn't walk across the street for something that wasn't untrue, let alone go into all the world, let alone to live in a massive city let alone to deal with the things we deal with. We're wasting our time if it's not true. But I'm going to tell you right now, because of all that, based on what I see in scripture, based on what I know is true by factual, archaeological archaeological evidence, there are some words I just can't say, um, based on the first followers of Jesus, the churches that were planted, the missionary work, I don't see any other way. And it goes back to John 14:6. He said he was. Well, here we are. Now, with that said, do you have a plan B? Like, do you have something that that you that is better? Because I'm open to hear it. I will listen to it. But I want to ask some questions because if it is better than what than this, I need to move on it. But if this is true, then you need to move on that. Now we don't always get all that opportunity, but that's the premise. That's the that's the premise that I go with here that, hey, that tomb is empty that changes everything so consider that don't get upset when the woman that used to change your diaper won't uh, be marveling at whatever you have to say from the pulpit or what you're teaching in Sunday school and uh, but that doesn't mean we always just immediately shake the dust off our feet but a lot of times it does mean God's called us to somewhere else to serve help advance the kingdom but like a hometown there come a point where familiarity we'll just breed contempt and they go, well, whatever, just used to you, whatever. Hey, serve Jesus, serve Jesus. We don't get to determine how people respond to us. And thankfully, uh, we don't because boy, we'd really get in the business of manipulation and we definitely don't want to do that. So men, thanks for listening and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.